by looking in DG's eyes. I know he's searching the, the noggin to figure out what this song is. I know what it is. Okay. Um, that was the uh, theme song to uh, uh, Boy Meets World. <laughs> what is that? That Now I'm mad about the music, Sage. What is that? This is Mitch's, and this yeah. is Diamonds and Guns. Transplants. Travis Barker. Yeah, I'd like to transplant myself out of here. <laughs> Am I right? Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, come well, on, hey, baby. We, we've been talking a little science here on the show. I want to go back to the previous segment to end our one. We were talking about how I discovered that uh, through a, a science experiment by some smart people that if you're setting your goal for 10,000 <laughs> steps a day, you're doing way too much. Overdoing it. 7,000 is where you need to reach. Uh, and Sage asked a great question off air. So, like, what if you do get to 10,000? Are you just working out too hard? Basically, what the experiment said, like the report said, if you get to 10,000, it really doesn't benefit you. You're just walking 3,000 more steps. It's not going to get you any further than what you did with your seven thousand. But you maybe you, you you maybe you walk through a neighborhood you haven't discovered yet. You know what I mean? Maybe you take a walk around the office and go somewhere that you haven't been for a while and talk to an old friend. I say go ahead, walk those ten thousand, folks. Don't let the seven thousand BS keep you down. Or if you want to do the bare minimum, like somebody like me. Uh, do the seven thousand? Yeah, you know? just do the seven thousand. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just reroute your. Oh, uh, me. I'm just sitting over here with my remote. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll catch you on the flip. <laughs> I do want to bring up another uh, science thing here. I was oh, doing a little, do a little reading. Here we go. Man. During what the is break, this? BBS. Uh, you know, there's been some folks out there that say when you're about to die, your life flashes before your eyes. Oh. Um. Apparently, that is actually what really does happen. Um, the scientists in Vancouver that inadvertently recorded a dying brain uh, was able to determine through rhythmic brain wave patterns that it is true, that you kind of cycle through your deep memory and you relive in a short amount of time some previous events. So I wanted to ask you guys, you're about to croak and your life flashes <laughs> before your eyes. What do you think you'll see? Do you really want to go into that story? Like I can I can I can, I could give you exactly what I would see. Power Rangers, mm -hmm. wrestling, chicken wings, cats, and something when I'm old. I don't know where I'm at when I'm old, but those are that's a pretty good start. You're talking New Orleans. In this case, New York City. To a, guy, to a guy who has been clinically dead for 10 seconds before. What was that like? That was, the best way to put it, freaky. So did your life flash before your eyes? No. So I know we've briefly talked about this, just me and Be you. Because I was fully conscious when this occurred. It was an attempt to correct a severe case of AFib that was occurring when I was in the hospital. And for those who don't know, I had a serious case of congestive heart failure in 2014 that left me hospitalized in the cardiac ICU, not, ju not just straight ICU, cardiac ICU at University of Colorado Med in Denver, three weeks in a cardiac ICU. Oh boy. Um, for those who are familiar with 
the 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 lingo, if you will, my ejection fraction was down to 15. Or as the one cardiologist told Monica when I was transferred from my local hospital to Denver, his heart is smothering him. Um, so in the midst of that, to pull fluid from my heart, went through all of the processes related to it, a lot of drainage, <clears throat> a lot of bathroom time. Um, but because my heart was needing to adjust, it triggered a few cases of AFib because we were just pulling so much fluid off. And one of those cases occurred late night. So no families around. It's just me in this hospital bed. And they tried three different things that did not work. And so this case of AFib is going on for close to an hour. And so finally, they pull out the big gun. I don't even remember what the injection is. I don't have any idea what the name of it is. But they gave me fair warning. <laughs> as fair a warning as you can have. Uh, yes, your heart will stop beating for 10 oh seconds. My God. That was the way to shock it back into natural rhythm. Wow. It's that feeling of you had the wind knocked out of you before. You've had that feeling before where you cannot catch your breath. Yeah. And you're sitting there with your eyes wide open, looking at things going, I'm just frozen here. Because your heart has stopped. That was by far and away the freakiest experience I hope to ever have. And you were conscious through the whole thing. Yes. That's terrible. With your heart stopping. Yes. And, like, and again, fair warning. They gave me, they told me 10 seconds. This will literally stop your heart for 10 seconds. Oof. Hearing a flat line from the machines. But of course the brain's still going. But of course your brain is still going and processing everything. But you're hearing that your heart has flatlined. Oh, jeez. And you can't take a breath. Your life's not flashing before your eyes, necessarily. You're more like going, what the hell is this? Man. Yeah, that, and that, oh, and, you know, I will say this, the, the positive about it was that, yes, my family wasn't around. It was a lot easier to explain it the next day to my, to Monica and to my parents than to have them around and have to witness that, I will say that. So I'll probably get chewed out when I get home tonight if she's listening at this point. But absolutely just and, – and, you know – Eyes open? Eyes open. Can you, like, move in your eyes? What were you looking at? You it's know the what? The ceiling? It, pretty much you're looking straight ahead. But – That's that's wild. That's nuts. That's yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure just, many have, but right. But uh, yeah, um, it's all an experience I hope to never have to go through again. Yeah. Oh, I hope not. And you know, I joke about sitting here with my remote and all that on exercise. I need to be better about exercise. I'm fully aware of that. But 
you know, I'm in maintenance. Things are good. I can actually enjoy wings in my life and not have to worry about it so much. <laughs> you know, for, for about the first two years, especially, it was, it was, uh-uh, none of it. Sodium limits were tremendous. Um, first six months out of the hospital, I had to wear the, uh, the, basically what amounts to a, uh, to a, uh, vest with the defibrillator in it. Oh my God. I came within five seconds of that thing being set off once on accident. It just, for whatever reason, it got ready to trigger oh. and the alarm went off and you're scrambling. Oh, oh my God! Trying to get it reset. Oh wow! Because otherwise, that's, then then that's going to get you. Yeah, I don't know what to say. That this is an let me just say together. yes. Uh, it got very serious there. I want to say though, even though yes, you almost lost your life. That's an extremely fascinating story. Yeah, um, I've never heard a story like that. Yeah, I even wanted to ask: Was there a light at the end of the tunnel? That whole thing, you know, right. the whole cliche things you will hear about when somebody is. Dying, but then they come back to life. And I think probably what makes this different than what we hear about those situations, my brain was functioning still. Yeah. I was conscious before they did this. Had I been unconscious, it's a different story, probably. Yeah, you're not coding and you're dying on the bed and, the, and nurses and doctors have to rush in and, you know, start CPR, do whatever to Correct. save you. Yeah, it was all planned. Correct. Uh, a, a procedure to take place, yeah. Correct. So that, there's a big difference there for sure. But 10 seconds without a heartbeat. Whew. I mean, if I'm being told that, I am yeah, I mean, I'm there, freaking out. Yeah, any other way, you know, like I don't want to do that. I think that's what I'd be like, oh, okay. And then the minute that it started to happen, I'd be like, okay, now I'm freaking out. So <laughs> yeah, did, pretty much. <laughs> is your wife allowed to stay in the room during this? No, they had gone home for the night. This was as I was trying to go to sleep that night, and my heart would not get out of this AFib incident. And again, they tried multiple things before reverting to that. The Basically, I referred to it as the ultimate shock to your heart. Man, Troy, thank you for sharing that. that, that man, that is crazy. That's a crazy story. You had touched on it before, yeah. just barely, um, but that is wild, man. Oh, my God. We're, I, I, yeah, we can't follow that up. Sage, what do you Sage. see when your life flashes before your eyes? Oh, uh, one oh, time I scary. original question. <laughs> one time I uh, stubbed my toe on the uh, uh, the edge of the bed, and I tell you what, I thought I was gonna have to get it amputated. You know, and I and I hate that it takes up that much time to tell that story. I I really do, but uh, it. I mean, it is it, it's an experience that very few people probably will ever talk about i know none in your guys' lives will ever talk about them um you know but it it's it it is just such a striking example of how it was a little different than what sure. you expect going in less like story storytelly and and hollywoody and more like just the raw realness <laughs> of life and how it's just you were like, I was just on a hospital bed looking up at the ceiling, man. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Well, the original plan in this segment was to talk <laughs> cats and uh, the KU game and how, to me, it was a tad bit fluky. Mm. Uh, fluky. It's not a full-on fluke, but uh, I think what we need to do, 
reset. <laughs> that was a little I, too I, heavy. That was like, awesome. I'm, I'm already that, getting hit on Twitter. Yeah, no, that was awesome. <laughs> that that was fantastic. Yeah, it was heavier than we wanted to go, but that was great. Dude. Uh, Frankie McWiFi, whatever your number here is, way to kill the buzz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> Jeez. Good night. And welcome to the five o'clock hour of the game. <laughs> Before we go to break, and I know we just had that intense conversation, we will get back to sports here in just a moment. I, I do want to bring up this here. I just got this text from Dave Donert, who used to run uh, all the social media mm-hmm. for Manhattan Wrestling. Just sent me a text uh, with a screen grab that has told us that Sage Rosario, who actually just moved to Manhattan a few weeks ago and started wrestling with the team and is dominating, she has become the first Manhattan uh, girls wrestler to reach a state championship match. Ooh. And she is just absolutely uh, – oh, let's see here. Oh, actually, it does look like that she has wrestled her – no, maybe she hasn't. She had the first two rounds uh, this morning and at midday, so I knew the semifinals were coming up. Okay, so she is in the state champion. Is it all one day? It uh, it's Championships will be tomorrow afternoon. Thank you. Okay, so but it said here she had placed second, but I was pretty sure the the, the thing wasn't over yet. No, but she is no. a no. Um, the first two she won by fall in the first period today in her semifinals, so she was already off to a good start Woo. at one fifty five today. And just a freshman, just oh. a freshman. Wow, tremendous! Good to hear that. And, and she won a she won the Centennial League Championship and the Regional Championship of her weight class in both of those championship matches. She beat. Uh, the number one ranked wrestler and the defending state champion from Washburn Rule. So, uh, and shout out to Coach Sean Bomas, who has a pretty, uh, pretty awesome wrestler as a freshman there. Just transferred in. Yeah, just For, transferred in. I, can't, I think she was from. Uh, help me out. Was she from Alabama? I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. and she had been doing really well out there. So a little high school pa- wrestling news. Page. Before. Rosario. Sage. 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 Congratulations, Sage Rosario. Keep it going. And now Sage Williams, who is should be considered a state champion as a studio engineer, is going to send us to break right now. We continue on with the game, Mitch, Troy, DG, and Sage. Well, now you can understand why I've got such a odd sense of humor sometimes. Because I'm looking at things a little odd. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little different. Explain some things. Yeah, right? So I'm here. Explains why Troy's so weird. Yeah, something. I mean, I was weird to begin with, but yeah. yeah. You, the pieces of the puzzle are slowly coming together. Yeah, na- name, name anybody in this world that you wouldn't call weird. One way or another. Now, I think mm-hmm. it's better to be weird, to be honest Thank with you. you. Nobody, who wants to be normal? Normal's yeah. boring. <laughs> now, Troy, I will I will warn you. I, I know sometimes if we joke around a little bit, may poke fun a little bit since you are the older yes. guy on the show. The elder yes. statesman. It now may lean into some heart jokes sometimes. I'm just saying... <laughs> It's uh, everybody. Nothing's off limits around here. I have and been in we this roast business. when we can roast. I have been in this business for over thirty years, including doing news. Gallows humor is the norm. <laughs> I'm fully aware of that. Uh, 
bring it, he says. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, if you would have told me last night that K-State at KU would score 83 points, five players in double figures, I would tell you, somebody get Troy Doe Hospital. His heart is probably going berserk. <laughs> oh, my God. But I would be, if you told me this yesterday, I would be telling Sage, get the pain train ready. I'm going to the liquor store to buy some champagne. I'm going to somewhere to get party favors like confetti and hats. And I'm getting a fruit basket ready to go to send it over to the uh, basketball training facility. Yes. Because I'm guessing K-State. Would have won that basketball game. Yeah. At least had a really good shot of winning that game. But you know what? The Jayhawks were lights out. We had DUI on in the first hour. Derek Young from Case in a Line, which if you missed the first hour, newsradiokman.com, on demand tab. We podcast every show. You can go to SoundCloud or just search for wherever you get your podcast, the game KMAN. And listen to that first hour. Derek was not exactly in favor of calling KU's performance. A fluke, and really neither am I. But in a way, it was fluky because Kansas—they are really solid in the starting five. And I'm talking Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, Christian Brown, Dewan Harris, Ochai Abaji. Excellent starting five. The bench isn't actually as much of a factor as you would assume. I mean. Just look at any other KU team, and they got some guys coming off that bench that will punch you in the mouth. But it's not the deepest team that we're used to when we see the KU Jayhawks. However, last night the bench did some pretty amazing things. Now, a big part of that was because K-State's defense was not up to par. Did not have a great night. The Jayhawks go 64.1% from the field. I had it around here somewhere, but they were around 63% from Mm -hmm. two, which was insane, which, by the way, K-State was at 52% last night from two, much better than what they were in Ames, Iowa. (laughs) Let's point that out. My God, was that bad, but they were much better at KU. But also, keep in mind, Kansas, and I, it it was brought up briefly during Mitch Palm about how KU's defense is actually, in some categories, not good. Like, they could be a lot better. They have been a lot better. And for some reason, the numbers are down this year for some KU statistics, but there were lights out from three-point range, the drive, the kick, the shot, boom, 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 threes all over the place, 15 of 24 for 62.5%. But let's go back to Oklahoma State and Bryce Thompson. And I brought this up with Wyatt and how he has driven me crazy (laughs) for two games because Bryce Thompson isn't exactly the strongest of three-point shooters. He is, statistically this season, if I were to average it out, he's maybe like a one-for-four three-point shooter. He'll knock one down, but it is a comfortable shot, for at least to him it's a comfortable shot. He can knock them down. But in Game 1 against K-State, he wasn't hitting threes, but he was driving to the hoop and making K-State look silly defensively as he drove and scored 22 points, mostly from the field. In the second game, a 
a three-point shooter that has done better at moving his numbers up, but for most of the season has been like 25, 26, 27 from three. He knocks down four out of seven for 57%. Just a fluke performance he doesn't usually do. In a span throughout the season, he went at one time about six or seven games, and it's happened a couple of times this year. He needed six or seven games just to make four three-pointers. And then he goes off against K-State, and he did it twice on the floor. Now, with KU, they had three guys off the bench, step up, and just were absolutely lethal. But nobody bugged me more than Joseph Yesifu. He doesn't really play. Yes of who? <laughs> he averages 10 minutes a game, and he doesn't shoot very often. He's a six-foot guard. I mean, you, uh, Troy brought up Frank Mason earlier. He was shooting <laughs> like he was Frank Mason. Mm-hmm. And he went three for five. Uh, th- I take that back. Two out of four from three-point range, but finished with nine points. And they have Jalen coleman Lands, who barely even appeared in the first game against K-State. And he goes three of three from three-point range with nine points. That kind of thing just drives me nuts. Because if K-State like in the first game, just shuts those dudes down, it's a tie ball game right? at that point. And then to add on the insult to injury, this baby face-looking jabron and Mitch Lightfoot, <laughs> who has played more games in a KU uniform than anybody in history, nearly sets a career high in points, and last night he finishes with 13. And nobody was stopping him. K-State could not find a big to put a body on him and get him off the glass and stop him. He finished for the night, did Mitch Lightfoot, 6 of 7 for 13 points. That is a nearly what? a career day for Mitch Lightfoot. That's something that shouldn't happen for a player that's averaging 4 points a game. Oh. It's those type of things that have just driven me crazy this year and – those fluky things I, I talked about maybe decided K-State's fate in the last couple of games. KU was unstoppable last night. They were really good. I'll give them credit. They were knocking down those wide-open shots. And also, you got to blame K-State for not playing good defense. They just did not get it done defensively. But offensively, you take it all freaking day of how good the Cats were offensively shooting 47% at Allen Fieldhouse. One of the things that we joked about leading into that game and talked about seriously as well, David McCormick was going to play a role. There are games that he disappears. There are games that he plays well. Unfortunately, against K-State, he plays well because, well, our fives do a poor job against him. That one was expected. When it's Mitch Lightfoot that is playing like David McCormick against K-State, you've got problems. And Lightfoot had three rebounds. I mean, Ochai Baji was the was the big player. They were 23-7. and seven. He also had five assists and five turnovers. But I, I, I know the, the starting five for KU is really good. And David McCormick really wasn't a whole lot of a factor. He played uh, 19 minutes and had five points. Um, and, and again, we didn't we weren't able to watch the game. We were doing Manhattan High basketball. I can't tell you really if there was any foul issues at any point. What do you, what would you say, DG? No. See, um, that there was, was a, the phantom call against yeah. Mike McGurl that okay. um, where Abaji stuck his leg out. 
and actually kicked Mike McGurl, and they called a foul, a foul on him. Yeah, big then there was another. Then there was, I think, another one down low that they called right after that on K-State that was just atrocious. It's always going to be like that, but I don't know. From my perspective watching the game, once they went up 10, it was over. I mean, you could just see it in their eyes and in K-State's eyes. They were playing, like I said, they were playing so loose and confident they when they when they weren't hitting wide open jump shots, they were alley ooping and guys were putting the bucket. They're putting in the bucket like crazy, like acrobatic type of stuff. When they start alley ooping, you know, like it's over. And they were doing that in the first half, man. It whatever you got to tell yourself is fine, but that last night, that was just humiliating. That was awful. Oh God! Again, that offensive performance. I know K-State's three-point numbers kind of started to fall towards the end of the game, uh, but I, I was trying to keep up with the numbers. I mean, for most of that game, they were 45 to 50%. And it was it, – so once they got up to 10, K-State would hit a big three, and then they would come back and answer it, like right away. And they just well, – I saw some of those transition plays transition. where K-State did not get back, and it was just whoop, right up the floor. Killing K-State. The transition speed. killed them. And it was just they just couldn't get set, couldn't get anything right, and it just you know, man, whoosh. In K State fans, I I know I mean definitely got to be upset about that loss. There have been times also in the past, a couple of games is like two in a row where you had a chance to win in Allen Fieldhouse and it didn't work out mm-hmm. uh, from the Svi Mikhailuk uh, traveling situation. Uh, there was another game that went down to the wire, but um, I mean to me, and I trust me when it comes to the whole coaching thing, I hear you. Uh, I don't exactly disagree. I definitely appreciate what has taken place uh, when it comes to the winning part of it. Um, this is not ammo, in my opinion, to argue that there should be a change. Um, to me, uh, that you're, you're shooting blanks because winning an Allen Fieldhouse is nearly impossible. <laughs> uh, Frank Martin never won an Allen Fieldhouse. Nope. And um, you don't need an, just. – I'm just kind of going based of what I saw on Twitter last night about, you know uh, – Losing to Allen in Allen Fieldhouse to KU is unacceptable. I, I saw a lot of that actually, and I laughed. Wow! Uh, because you know Bill Self has actually won more Big Twelve championships than games lost mm-hmm. in Allen Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. You don't need a new coach to win in Allen Fieldhouse. You need like a voodoo practitioner, absolutely, to go in there and win in Allen Fieldhouse. Well, you you got to do something. Get we that we need Phil Jackson to go in and smudge the place. <laughs> Get that sage rolling, not sage, but sage. <laughs> well, send sage in there. Yeah, send sage. Maybe do she has we... something we don't know about, and uh, she'll take care of things. Absolutely. That that was. Uh, they just they're so good there. They're just so good there. People just turtle up when they get in there, man. It's crazy. You know, Bruce had a great point about this that they get going with transition. Oh yeah, and. They begin to force you into mistakes and utilize that transition, and the fans get behind it, and it becomes essentially an avalanche. Mm-hmm. They do one of that, one of those each half, yeah. and that really does tell the story of how KU plays at Allen Fieldhouse. I thought that was a great assessment going into the game. He he did nail that part. Yes, I'm going to New Orleans in a couple of months. May run into Marie Laveau. See if she wants to. Come up to Manhattan Ooh. the next time, see if she's uh, free next uh, winter. It, it, as long as it's not uh, sacrificing animals, I'm down. But if you're going to sacrifice an animal. I'm sure we could get her a chicken. Get a chicken. Make sure it's a chicken, a dumb animal. 
I'm thinking Major League and the fried chicken yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I love that. I love sure. that. Serrano! <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Yobu needs some refill. <laughs> Man, my favorite line from that is still, not, not to do with Joe Boo, but try to tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. Curve like, that is still one of my favorite lines let's in movie history. Let's not ho- start a holy war here. I still yeah. love, how are they laying off pitches that close? I love that movie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right, number one song of the day is next. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Come on, baby, feel the locomotion. I know you'll get to like it if you give it a chance now. Come on, baby, feel the locomotion. My little baby says you can do it with ease. It's easier than learning your ABCs. So come on, come on and do the locomotion with me. I'm not sure we've heard another a number one song with more reverb. <laughs> Most underrated version of this song. You think so? I do. I mean, it made it to number one. It's about as rated as you terms, can get. But in terms of in people's recollection now, how many people do you know refer to the Grand Funk Railroad version of The Locomotion? 1974, The Locomotion by Grand Funk Railroad. They end up changing yeah. the name later to just Grand Funk. Two weeks at number one. Do you know where they're from, Troy? I'm going to quiz you throughout this thing, so get ready. You uh, seem to know a lot about music history. Yes, but I am not aware of where they're from originally. Uh, Flint, Michigan. Okay. Where the water is dirty and the bands are apparently American. <laughs> get it? Yeah. yeah. We're an yep. American band. Yes. We're well an American band. Oh, that's a great song, too, man. Oh, my God. That was also I, in, number one. In, in many ways, Grand Funk Railroad as a whole, yeah. I think, is underrated nowadays. Wow, that's okay. Good, good, good. I mean, you guys aren't playing this on K-Rock, for no. example. No. That That's, yeah. This is considered like a arena-style rock. They peaked in the 70s with this kind of stuff. Um, even though uh, audience, they bring in audiences despite... They got a lot of critical... Uh, or critic, like the critics didn't really uh, weren't big fans of Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah, well, the critics were never big fans of Kiss either. A lot of people aren't fans of Kiss. They think they're overrated. Do you disagree, Troy? I'm just pointing out that in terms of if you want to talk audience, it's you know it's it's audience versus the critics. I mentioned my opinion on uh, Kiss on K Rock and just watch out. Okay. <laughs> Not a fan. You can tell us on K Man. Yeah, I guess I can. I mean, I mean, in terms of technical musicians, they're not great. I, Nobody's gonna come after you. Uh, you know, they I, might. I, I've gotten. Uh, I, We're I, not in Detroit. I gave him a, a. I gave him another go. I said I'm gonna. I, I was. It was unfair. And my uncle Joey loves Kiss. So I gave another shot. I said, ah, I can Straight see what up. Man. Yeah, but it's like, you know, the thing that bums me out is Gene Simmons is just such a jerk. Yeah, he, he is. Uh, I met him one time, and he was cool. Yeah, yeah. Said I was good looking and stuff. I was like, man, we are bros. And he keeps saying rock is dead. And I'm like, dude, I shove know, it shut up, up your butt. <laughs> Grand Funk Railroad got their name from the Grand Trunk. Or, uh, yeah, Grand Trunk Western 
Railroad that did run through Flint, Michigan. 13 Mm. studio albums, 9 top 40 hits, and the second of two number ones. From their 8th studio album, Shining On. So, we'll get into the history of this song because this is obviously not the original, but it was written by... Oh, you can uh, get there. Carol King. Very good. Wow. Very good. Carol King. And also her husband was a part of that writing team, of course, Jerry Goffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was originally recorded for, uh, originally recorded by their nanny, Little Eva. Yes. <laughs> they found out she has a great singing voice. They're like, we're turning you into a star. Wow. This was, it literally, they wrote it, needed someone to test it, if you will. Found out that she had a great voice and decided that, yes, they were going to have her do it. What, so, what year was that? Sorry, sorry. 75. So when little Eva did the song, it was 62. What is with the period, the time period from 1950 to 1963 where everybody was Lil something? It's like rap nowadays. Like, I'm Lil Eva. I'm Lil R- Sebastian. I'm Lil <laughs> Ricky. Like, get the heck out of here. I like the Lil Sebastian. Lil yeah. Sebastian drum. Shout out to Parks and Rec, baby. God. <laughs> bye bye, little Sebastian. That's a song that should have went number one. <laughs> yeah, oh no, really. Oh yeah, boy. Do you know what we're talking about, Troy? I don't. But. <sighs> Parks and Rec, one of my favorite shows. You gotta watch it. That's good. All right, uh, more on uh, Little Eva here. The song or the dance? Do you know what came first? Uh, the so- dance. The song. Mm-hmm. The song was first. Little Eva, like. Do the locomotion? What's that? How do you do that? So she had to come up with a dance. So it was it was her. Uh, so this was actually the second song to have two people go number one with it. Little even, of course, Grand Funk Railroad went number one with the locomotion, but the first was "Go Away, Little Girl," and it was also written by Jerry Goffin and Carol King. And apparently, Sage is pushing a lot of buttons over there. Go yeah. Away Little Girl was also performed and went number one by Steve Lawrence in 62 and Donny Osmond in 1971. Wow. Now, there was a third. There was a third, and this is the last song to go number one twice, two different artists. Do you want to give it a shot, Troy? This song? No, not this song. This was second. Okay. There was a song that was third on the list to have go uh, number one twice by two different artists. Oh. Or just go number one by two different artists. Right. Um, I'll pass on that. Please, Mr. Postman. Oh. The Carpenters. And also the the Marvelettes. Yes. Marvelettes had the original. Carpenters did the cover. Uh, And then uh, coming in to try to get the trifecta was Carol King herself. Did not release it as a single, though, which I thought was smart. Because you wrote the song, and two... Two others prior went to number one. What if you don't go number one? Oh. Like, that is, I think that's a tough look. There, there's one other attempt at making this a number one song, though. Uh, Kylie Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Yeah, thank you. She went number three. Mm-hmm. She got almost got there, but went number three. This 19, song is magic. 1987, I believe. Uh, 88. Thank you. Damn, dude. Off the top of my head. Yeah, he's not looking at the screen. Wow. Unless he... 
he takes a peek before the show. No. Or maybe that's why he left during the hour break. He could, oh my God! He can read through. He can read through it. <laughs> yeah. He left the room. He was now. gone no, for a yeah, while. Nope, 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 nope. Wow. Uh, for I those, play fair. For those youngins out there, you might recognize a song from Rock Band Three. Nice. That was uh, the big finale, I suppose, for this one. Dude, this is a hell of a number one song of the day. This is crazy. I didn't know this was that popular. You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest. Where I know it from most is weddings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, really. It's kind of a popular, like, well, at least back in the day, it was like an early wedding dance type of song. Kind of get everybody out there. And then, you know, once people start leaving, it's a younger crowd than the more, you know. Younger crowd music comes out. The crunk. You know, the, uh-huh. that's when the other Lils start coming out. Yeah, give me some Lil Wayne. All right, we're going to take a break, and uh, DG's Ask Us Anything is next. Fifteen fifty KMAN News Talk Radio. It's that time again, folks. Uh, what uh, what is it? Ask us anything. Um, first of all, today uh, today's uh, ask a K rocker. Got uh, Gene Rayburn in here. <laughs> would you rather Wednesday? Uh, would you rather go forward in time or back in time if you could time travel? Uh, back, absolutely. I'm a history guy. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna kill Hitler? Uh, sure. Okay. Kill him. Um, maybe go check out Woodstock. Ah, now, that's a big one on my list. Good. I'd go. I'd go to Woodstock. It's just if they catch you and they get a picture of you, you're gonna have to explain some stuff. Because, like, Mitch, isn't that you in that weird picture of Woodstock? Yeah, and in every school in every town in America would be named after me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I I would be of the mind go back as well. I would love to see a game at Ebbets Field. Oh yeah. Say let's do old Yankee Stadium at Ebbets Field in the World Series. Polo grounds would throw, be thrown in there. I'd, I'd love to do that New York trip. I can't go back because then I'll be too fat. Everyone will be way skinnier <laughs> than, and littler than me, and they'll be like, are you from the future? So I'm going to do a future, and uh, yeah, I'm going to start knowing what to invest in before you do it, and then I'll come back and throw my money into some crypto action. Sage? You know, crypto. I'm a history person too, however... Maybe I want to back to the future to it and go to the future, get like the, you know, the sports catalog. The sports almanac. Takes it back. Maybe yeah. I'll do something like that. Me too. I, I know it's bad. I just want to ruin some stuff. But the thing is, like, the whole thing with the sports almanac, like, I don't want to look through it and notice, like, the cats, like, never win at all <laughs> in my lifetime. Yeah, that would like, suck. God. That oh. would be really hard to oh, take. Oh, that would be tough. Um, Hey. Welcome to Cubs fanhood for how long? (laughs) Um, Really, really random. Uh, What's a little thing in life that makes your day? Like bubble wrap, popping bubble wrap, or um, or is that a a tough one? I I mean, yes, of course it's tough. There's so many. Right? I mean, the little thing, like, I've said it before, but I love mowing the lawn. Oh, yeah. Like, does that count? That does, yeah. That's absolutely. Like, the smell of grass, cut grass. I like Like, that's... If I could get a candle. No, I probably wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, they do have them. They have cut grass candles. That sounds a little psycho, though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, well, On care. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Was that, was that your Tim Taylor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to slap the knee on that one. I like it, dude. Um, that's all I had, man. 
I, I let you down. Well, I will end with this. I'm out for uh, tomorrow, Friday. Well, no show Friday because Troy's got to get ready for high school basketball. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm out. What? So uh, I'm going to California. I'll be back Thursday. Um, I'll end with, uh, I'll say hi to Bob Barker for you guys. Deal. Sounds, sounds good. Wait, he's still alive? He is. I didn't know that. Just don't get in any fights on the green with him. <laughs> yeah, he'll whip you. 